Hello and welcome to the 20th episode of the Commander's Contingencies podcast, where today we're going to be talking about an Arcades Walls deck and a Phoenix Vanilla Creatures Mill deck. So the first thing that I want to cover is the Flash ban. Flash in well, Flash was banned in Commander. Uh, clearly, I haven't been covering cards that were not that that were banned in other formats. So Flash, if you do not know, is one and a blue for an instant, and basically you can put a creature out into play, and if you don't pay its mana cost minus two, it will get sacrificed. And the issue with this is it combos with Protean Hulk, which is taking over the CEDH meta. I fully support this band, and I think that it is great. Um, overall, I think it is great. The one thing notable, uh, well, two things, there, there's a couple other things. One, Rule 11 was updated to enable the companion mechanic, and Rule 3 was updated to further clarify companion. That's just, that just happens sometimes with new sets. That's fine. And the other thing is, there have been a lot of bans recently. Within the past year, it might even have been past six months, they banned Iona, they banned Flash, and they banned, um, I don't remember what the other card was, but they banned another card. Oh yes, Lutri, the spell chaser. So, personally, I support all of these bans except for Iona. Iona was perfectly fine and extremely expensive. And even though it might not be particularly fun to play against, it's simply a win con at that much mana. So I don't I disagree with the Iona ban, but otherwise I agree with those bans. I just think it's interesting how commonly they are now banning cards. I hope this isn't a new trend. But I think that they are just banning cards when they which I support. Oh, the other card they banned was um, Paradox Engine, which I don't think, I don't know if that needed to be banned or not. I think it would have been fine if it wasn't banned, but I do think the format is a little bit healthier if it doesn't exist. So I guess I support that, but if None of those, if that entire band and unbanned of Painter Servant release was canceled and never had happened, I wouldn't think there was really any issue. So that is that for Commander News. Uh, a new thing is on my YouTube channel, I am now doing screen recording. So I think this will just make my content for YouTube a little bit better so you can see what I am talking about. So basically that's just gonna make it so if you are watching on YouTube, you can see what I'm looking at 
which basically you'll just be able to see the decks that I'm looking at. It's not going to be a huge change and I'm still going to be looking at it with my intention. So if there's, I probably won't be like hovering on every single card for very long, but I will be a little bit more mindful and uh, you guys can see my screen now. So next up we have the decks. So we have an Arcades Walls deck and a Phoenix Mill deck. So I'm just gonna start by covering the Arcades Walls. Alright, so real quick, I'm going to explain the Commander Quest. So the Commander Quest is my eventual goal in building all these decks. So I'm building like roughly 300 decks with no overlap in cards. So eventually I will have built decks with every single card in Magic that is legal in Commander. That is my eventual goal. That is what I'm working on, and that is what these decks are a part of. So, if you're like, why isn't this card in there? It's because it's really limited. And I'm trying to balance these for this scenario. I'm not balancing them for play. I do when that's possible. And I do want them to be as close as possible to playable. But I'm trying to make all of these decks that. And that's really difficult so it's not any type of competitive deck the idea of this deck is to mill my opponents out the idea of that is what milling is is getting rid of all the cards in your opponent's libraries because if a person draws a card out of their library and there aren't any more cards in their library they lose the game so if we read our commander we realize that our creatures have the ability to tap and mill our opponents or put that many cards from their library into their graveyard by simply tapping them. So basically I'm trying to take advantage of that ability opponent for four cards every single turn. So there's not really much to that category, it just kind of helps move the deck along. Uh, the next category is cards that synergize with the deck, but not directly. Uh, one example of that is Scheming Symmetry. Black for a sorcery, choose two target players. Each of them searches their library for a card, then shuffles their library and puts that card on top of it. So you get to search for a card, and an opponent gets to search for a card. But because you have all of these mill effects, you can just tap one of your creatures and mill it into their graveyard. So no matter what they search for, they're not going to get that card. Um, sadly, they don't have to tell you, so if they know, and they probably will know, that it's going to be milled, you'll just have to mill it, and you might get unlucky if they have such something like an anger or something similar to that, then you might get unlucky, but usually it is a good way for you to tutor for one mana. Next up is Scare Tiller. So that is 4 for a 1-4 artifact creature scarecrow. 
Whenever Scarecrow becomes Scareteller becomes tapped, choose one. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped, or return target land from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. So I don't have any fetch lands or anything that I could bring back over and over again, but it's just a way to get a small amount of value in addition to having that four, four toughness that can tap down. The final category, and I'm going through this quickly because there hasn't really been much else to cover. Now I'm getting to the much more notable cards. So the third category, I bunched together two groups really. The group number one is cards that pump your creatures by, really they pump it by the number of creatures in graveyards. Sometimes, it depends the exact phrasing, sometimes it's the number of creatures in all graveyards, sometimes it's the number of creatures in target opponent's graveyard. It really depends, but the reason that this is so effective, and that I have so many cards that have it, I'm thinking probably six, maybe even seven cards that have that effect. Because of... The reason for that is because as the toughness gets larger, I can mill more cards, which when there are more cards milled, that means that there, uh, there is a higher toughness. So I can tap it to mill more cards and it just grows exponentially. So there's a lot of cards such as that. Uh, one is Bone Horde, which is four for an artifact equipment. Living Weapon, when it enters the battlefield, create a zero zero drum and attach it to it. Equipped creature gets plus X plus X, where X is the number of creature cards in all graveyards, and it has equipped to. You could equip it to something, but it works perfectly well to just have it on the drum. Next is Eater of the Dead, which is four and a black for a 3-4 Summon Eater. Zero. Take one creature from any graveyard and remove it from the game. Untap Eater of the Dead. So, you can tap Eater of the Dead to mill four cards. Then you can remove a creature from any graveyard to untap it and do that over and over and over again until you get un unlucky and don't hit creatures. This can easily kill opponents, plus with all the other mill cards you have, you can mill your opponents. There's a lot of different ways this can work, and if you get this, you are likely to win the game. Plus, it's super janky and unplayable anywhere else. So, there are a lot of similar cards to Bone Horde and Curse of the Dead, but I'm just going to choose one more and skip well, two more. Let's get over the rest. Uh, Undead Alchemist is three and a blue for a four-two. If a zombie you control would deal combat damage to a player, instead that player puts that many cards from the top of his or her library into his or her graveyard. And whenever a creature card is put into an opponent's graveyard from his or her library, exile that card and put a two-two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield. First of all, it's exiled, which is great. Second of all, you can tap Undead Alchemist, mill two. Hopefully you hit a creature, makes a zombie. You can tap that zombie, mill two. Hopefully it makes a, it hits a creature, which makes another zombie. 
and you can keep on doing that. And the zombies stay in between turns, so it just adds up super quickly. And the final card with the similar effect that I'm going to cover, uh, there are more, so more cards with similar effects to these, but these are just the ones I'm covering because I don't want to be redundant. So it is the Hunt of Hightower, which is four black black for a three three flying land. Whenever the Hunt of Hightower attacks, defending player discards a card. And whenever a card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, put a plus one plus one counter on the Hunt of Hightower. Uh, for people watching, the reason I just clicked over to the record tab is because of checking how long, because the current program I'm using has a 30 minute cap per recording, so I have to stop in between. Uh, speaking of new improvements that I'm going to make, that is a thing I will be fixing soon. I'm getting a new computer, so hopefully I will be able to have a lot of, well not hopefully, I will be able to have a lot of better software solutions. For example, I will be editing with Audacity soon. Uh, there's just a lot of different things that will go better. I won't have to stop every half hour. There's a lot of different things that I can solve with a new computer, and it should be coming this week. I will probably have it ready for use next week, but we will see. Alright, so of the cards left, mostly they just say target opponent mills cards. A couple of them say they put half of their library into the graveyard. A couple of them say they throw a specific number, like in this, like in Startled Awake's case, just two blue blue, they throw away 13. In Glimpse the Unthinkable, which is blue black, they throw away 10. So, in Jace Memory Adept, his zero ability is they mill 10. Um, so, there are a couple different things that will do that, but they're fairly redundant. And then there's a couple that just replicate on the amount of cards already in your graveyard. For example, Fraying Sanity, 2 in a blue. For an for a cor for a cur for a curse, and it has at the beginning at the beginning of each end step, enchanted player puts the top X cards of his or library into his or her graveyard, where X is the number of cards put into that graveyard from aired anywhere this turn. So basically, this just doubles your mill, which can make it much easier to win. Uh, Keening Stone has a similar-ish effect. It's 6 for an artifact, 5, tap. Target player puts the top X cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard, where X is the number of cards in that player's graveyard. So, needless to say, this is quite powerful. With something that gets rid of half of your library, and a couple other mill cards, you can just instantly get rid of an entire library. You only need to get slightly more than half, well you only need to get half of the library, or 50 cards, slightly more is why I said it because it's 99 cards, in order, into their graveyard in order to 
get them to mill their entire deck and lose next turn. So that is quite good, although it is very, very expensive. Um, of the rest of the cards, they are fairly redundant, very similar effects of the rest. I'd say Riddle Keeper is the outlier, two and a blue for a one four. Whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker you control, that creature's controller puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard. This makes it even less profitable to attack you. Uh, the reason it wasn't profitable the reason that it wasn't profitable before is because you have so many giant toughness creatures that it's going to be hard to get through. Uh, one more card that I want to cover, which is actually in the wrong category, I'm going to fix that real quick, is Dusk Mantle Guild Mage. Dusk Mantle Guild Mage is blue, black for a 2-2. One blue, black, whenever a card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere this turn, that player loses one life. And two blue, black, target player puts the top two cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. So there's a lot of different reasons that this is good. The two blue, black ability is largely useless but in certain scenarios it might be helpful. The one blue-black ability is the thing that is really good. So baseline, you want to kill every opponent with mill. And doing that requires you to get rid of probably 80 cards per player. If you could just spend three mana and half that, plus you get help from your opponents dealing damage to each other. That is very good. The other thing is, if you're starting on a new opponent, you just kill one by milling them. Then this helps you get there much faster and you didn't really lose any progress. So it's pretty good. Uh, it's very helpful, but it's not always used. All right, so that is the Phoenix mill deck. We have 23 islands and 14 swamps. It's pretty straightforward. I'm just trying to mill out my opponents with some big toughness creatures, getting some vanilla and some defenders, and just generally absolutely horrible creatures. And then I'm supplementing that with some cards that synergize really well with the deck that get bigger or make more toughness that I can tap down to mill the more that I mill, so it's cumulative and gets me winning quickly. So that is that deck. I think if you were to play it, it would actually perform somewhat well. You probably wouldn't win your fair share because first of all, it's mill, which is extremely hard to accomplish. Second of all, you have these super jungle creatures. And while your opponents wouldn't necessarily target you too much, you also just wouldn't be able to do very much either. So, that is that deck. I'm going to move on to a e and Arcades Walls deck. So Arcades, the strategist, if you do not know, is one green, white, blue, 
for a 3-5 flying defense. Whenever a creature with Defender enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. And each creature you control with Defender assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power and can attack as though it had Defender. As though it didn't have Defender. So, that's really nice. Um, not sure why I just zoomed in a ton. Ah, uh, this is better. So, basically, I'm just running a huge amount of walls. There's really nothing else to this deck other than walls. And I looked through them, and no. There's nothing in this deck other than walls. Basically, I just chose the cheapest walls, threw in some lands, and we have a deck. I don't really know what to cover. Uh, walls or creatures with defenders can't attack, but if you have um, and usually have really high toughness and low power, they're just for blocking. And if you have Arcades out, whenever you cast one, you draw a card, and they deal damage equal to their toughness, and they can attack. So it's just an aggro deck, and you throw down a lot of defenders. This is just a way to get a ton of unplayable defenders out of the way. I chose to go with the cheapest ones because they synergize the best with Arcades. The cheaper it is, the more that that draw card effect matters. And if you tr and. You can also synergize a small amount with the power and toughness effect, but that is a much more common effect, and I will likely make another deck with Doran as the commander that is also a wall deck, because apparently there's a lot of walls. I think I found 200 uh, only in Bant, so I'm not sure how I'm going to use all of those. Uh, by walls, I also mean defenders. I'm just gonna—I just use them both in the same meaning. Um, but there's a lot of defenders, and I'm not sure how I'm gonna use them all. And I also don't remember for certain, but I think I used a Doran deck already. I'm not sure about that, but I think so. Uh, yeah, I just checked. 282 walls, and currently I used walls or creatures with defender. Currently I used 63 uh, in this deck, and I might have used some other ones, but currently that is that. Um, there's not really very many notable cards here. Uh, we have Axbane Guardian, which is 2 and a green for a 0-3 defender. Tap, add X mana and any combination of colors to your mana pool, where X is the number of creatures with defender you control. Carve and Karyatid, 1 green green for 2-5 defender. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. We have Crashing Drawbridge, 2 for defender, 0-4. Tap, creatures you control gain haste. Um, we have... Uh, not... We have others. Let me find one. Oh, here's one. Overgrown Battlement. One in a green for Defender. Zero four. Tap. Add green to your mana pool for each creature with Defender you control. 
Shield Sphere, green, zero for a zero six defender. When it blocks, you put a negative zero, negative one counter on it. If it attacks, it doesn't even get those. Um, there's others. Uh, there's Sylvian, Sylvan Karyatid, one in a green for a zero three defender hexproof. Tap, add one mana of any color. Uh, there's Tree of Redemption, which is three in a green for a defender. 013. Tap, exchange your life total with Tree of Reden Redemption's toughness. So baseline, it's a 13-13. And it could be even higher if you're willing to trade your life total. 13 is rather low to go, but it could work. Uh, other notable ones, Vine Trellis, one in a green for zero four defender, tap, add green. Wall of Blossoms, one in a green defender, zero four. An ETB draw card. Uh, Wall of Essence, one in a white, zero four. Whenever it's dealt combat damage, you gain that much life. Wall of Omens, one in a white, uh, ETB draw card, zero four. Uh, Wall of Roots, one in a green. 05 defender uh put a negative zero negative one counter on it add green to your mana pool activate this ability only once each turn um other than that i don't think there's much else but you get the idea it's just a bunch of defenders to beat face with um that is that deck. I'm running 12 forests, 12 islands, and 12 plains. Not sure why I didn't check that earlier. Oh, I must have actually, because the the colors are very balanced. Wow, it's very nice. Um, so that is that deck. Uh, it's got an insanely low average CMC of 1.98. Well, actually, I guess it's not insanely low. That's just low. Um, so that you know you're just going to be casting out your walls. That's that deck. Next, we're going to get on to the collection statistics. So in the last couple of weeks, I haven't gone as deeply into the collection statistics as I would like. So, first of all, we have 1,692 cards, and of course, no overlap. Because for some reason, well, I guess it kind of makes sense. It has a total number, a total of unique printings, and a total of unique cards. They're all the same for me. Because no overlap. Alright, uh, the estimated value on TCG player is $1,764. The average number on, or the estimated value on Card Kingdom is $2,011, which if we calculate that, um, that's probably about $120-$130 per card, roughly. Whereas the average overall is roughly $2.21 per card for all the cards in the history of Magic. So I am ahead on that, which is great. Um, monetary value is not a perfect measure, but it certainly works. Uh, in terms of color distribution, 
we have 301 green, 299 red, 187 black, 256 blue, and 229 white. I don't need to tell you that all those cards in reality are closely balanced. I don't remember the exact numbers, and they're not perfectly balanced, but they are close. So, as you can see, I've got a whole lot more green and red that I need to. Uh, 50 less blue, uh, 70 less white, and 120 less black. So, I mean, I've been having these same issues this week. I think it's a little bit better than before. Um, again, on colorless, we have roughly 300 of those. We should have roughly two-thirds the amount of colorless than we do of the other colors, which if we average it out, we probably have roughly 250 per color, meaning I should have roughly 175 colorless, meaning I have like 125 extra. So that's quite a lot. And in terms of multicolor, uh, let me see if I have that data. I do, I checked that data earlier. I'm sure I've got it somewhere. This is my document that I use for basically everything related to my podcast. I just write it all down there and it's like six pages long. So I'm sure I've got it somewhere, but multicolor, I do need a little bit more, I think, because I've got 122. Okay. Oh, I, I do have it. Okay. Uh, 2.2K multicolor, so similar to artifacts, uh, or similar to colorless is where it should be, meaning I should add like 80 multicolor and get rid of like, well, I guess like 50. So I'm not, I'm not off on multicolor by too much. I'll have to make more of that. Okay, in terms of type, in terms of rarity distribution, we have 7.3 thousand commons, we have 6.6 thousand uncommons, 6.2 thousand rares, and 1,000 mythics. So that is on the entirety of magic. So they're roughly all the same. Mm, they're pretty close. Um, in terms of what we have in our distribution, we have 704 commons, 542 uncommons, 390 rares, and 56 mythics. So I'm sort of on track. Uh, I have more commons and more uncommons, more of the lower rarities which is good. Um, I'm going to see if I can find my type distribution percentages. Um, I'm not sure, no, I cannot find those. I'm not sure if I deleted those or not. It seems like I did, but in terms of Type distribution, we have 1,007 creatures, 163 sorceries, 239 artifacts, 
66 lands, uh, 10 planeswalkers it looks like, yeah. Uh, 168 enchantments, 4 tribal cards, and 143 instant. Again, I don't have the exact numbers pulled up right now, but I remember it being slightly more than half of cards or creatures, which is right around what I have. And then I don't remember other than that my wheel was pretty accurate. So for now, it looks good. So it is time to get into card of the week. So the card of the week this week is Artifact Mutation. Artifact Mutation is red, green for an instant. Destroy target artifact. It can't be regenerated. You create or create X one one green sapperling creature tokens, where X is that artifact's converted mana cost. So I am analyzing this purely as a creature token creator because analyzing what what cards are removal worthy is very situation dependent and very opinionated so i can't really speak for how good it is as a piece of removal what i can say is how effective it is as a token producer so as I have found, I have created before this spreadsheet in which I calculated the average number of artifacts uh, in each CMC at each in an in the average deck in the EDHREF database. So using that data, I calculated that the average art number of artifacts with CMC three or more. Per deck on average is 5.78, with an average of 3.91 converted mana cost. So that's in comparison with 6.9 nice artifacts of CMC 0 or 1 or 2. Um, so to break that down more specifically, that's an average of 2.2 CMC3 artifacts, 2.1 CMC4 artifacts, and CMC5 artifacts. Uh, there's also 0.3 CMC6 artifacts. So what does this really mean? If we use a hypergeometric distribution calculator, we can find out exactly how how likely we are that an opponent gets one so if we use that and we check the odds of any opponent drawing an artifact with cmc three or more that can be played on curve so by that i mean really if it's turn six, I'm not gonna count a CMC seven artifact, or if it's turn four, I'm not gonna count CMC five artifacts. And for artifacts that um for artifacts that are 
on that turn, they usually they would count because you could play them at instant speed even if the person is after you. You can play the instant or sorcerer. So the odds of someone drawing something with CMC three or more on turn five, sorry, on turn six is a 93% chance. We're talking about an average of 3.91, so basically four on turn six, which turn six is rather late, but we're almost always going to get at least that much and sometimes even more. That is great. On turn five, there's still an 87% chance. And on turn four, we still, we still have a 70% chance. So, any of these times, even down to turn four, it's a really quite efficient uh, piece of token production. And as a removal spell, honestly, that's just a small benefit. And sometimes you will need to use this as removal, sometimes you won't. So, I would say if you want, if you have a deck that is in red green and you want to make tokens, this could definitely be worthwhile. But there are also a huge amount of playable cards in Magic, so you'll have to consider it. But I do think this is one of the better. Uh, token producers because usually the rate for making 1-1 one, one tokens is 1 mana for 1 token. So in terms of that rate, it is quite good. Thanks for listening. You can find my personal architect at I'm a Johnny, A-J-O-H-N-N-Y. You can find my commander quest and with the link in the description below. You can find my commander quest account with the link in the description below or at commander quest you can see the link to my collection statistics in the description and my website you can also visit my youtube channel commander's contingencies also there's a link in the description below i will also post any relevant links such as the decks that i went over or if there's any news, I will post links to my source or things that have more information. I will see you next week. Oh, there will also be time blocks to tell you what times certain things in the episode are happening.